Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. We're so glad to have you on the show today. It's a special day. It is our 100th episode. So, so excited for you to meet our guest. Um, our mission is to serve coaches through conversation so they can lead like Jesus. Uh, so excited to welcome Chad and also Gian back in the house. Uh, Chad is a former college coach and now serving with Athletes in Action. Uh, Gian, also a former Division I coach, and he is now a Liberty University administrator. But so glad to have both of you guys on our 100th episode. How are you, boys? What's up, Jim? Jim, Jim, so, so happy. Um, you know, I think for former, you know, three former coaches that they're getting together and to live out this this dream of just talking to some of our heroes and we'll get that uh, we'll get into that a little later but um, when Chad and I started this podcast more than two years ago we made a list you know and we were like who is our you know Mount Rushmore and yeah. today's guest was one of them for sure it was one of the first names that we mentioned um, and you know after a hundred episodes to, to just be able to to make that come true and to bring you along this season mm. and you know first first few talks that we had with you 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 already mentioned like i think i can get john gordon and chad and i were like what are you kidding me <laughs> you know uh, it just it just goes to show that everything happens for a reason you know jim yeah. you and i got together because you hired my former assistant coach at liberty yep. to work for for the high school there in, in boca and it's just incredible how God puts people in your lives in order to make his name more known to more people. Yeah, so good. So awesome how God's sovereign plan just comes together and we're obedient. And Gian, thank you. It's great having you uh, in our intro here, seeing you again. I know you do so much behind the scenes. And so I just publicly thank you for everything you're doing. And like you said, 100th episode, the pressure was on and I was praying through this and reached out to John Gordon. We are so humbled. I was literally sitting across when he came on the screen and I shared this. Uh, you know, my, my eight-year-old idol was G.I. Joe. Uh, when I was a teenager, it was all about Michael Jordan. Um, my young 20s and 30s, Tim Tebow. And now in my 40s, John Gordon. So I am publicly admitting my man crushes right there. I, I am secure in my manhood. Those are my man crushes. But Chad, uh, as we get into this, uh, any takeaways or things to lock, uh, lock in on? Yeah, 100%. I, it's crazy just how you, you can have never met somebody and for them to have such a big impact on your life. And so that's been John Gordon for me as a, as a young college coach to read almost all of his books and try to implement his teachings into my program. I'm, I'm forever grateful for him. And yeah, I think tune in um, about uh, halfway through. Um, there's some things that I've heard so much from John Gordon, but there's a few things in this episode that I had never heard before. And it was really cool to hear his uh, faith story uh, near the end. Um, but yeah, so much, so much good, just as always. But that's uh, something I'd say tune into. And Jim, just one thing was, uh, he mentions his uh, other character that he created for his own life, Joey Bag of Donuts. Yeah. And that, I thought that was so funny just to be able to get John in a not not so um, business podcast yeah. or, you know, but more on a personal level, get to know him more on a personal level and him talking about um, his alter, alter ego, 
Joey yeah. bag of donuts and that that was really fun to listen and we just can't wait uh Jim we we're gonna uh, we're gonna love this interview people people are just lives are gonna be changed because of it and we're so yeah. thankful that you were able to do it so let's get to that episode right now we have an unbelievable guest today I'm welcoming to the show Mr. John Gordon how are you John Jim I am great thanks for having me Oh, we're so excited for you taking the time to do this. Please know how humbled, how grateful I am to sit across from you and have these uh, few minutes with you. Well, John, we always ask our guests and those who listen um, our power question. So, John Gordon, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Wow, what a, what a great question. Obviously, when you think of Christian, you think of Christ. And so you want to reflect Christ in your character. You want to reflect Christ in how you approach coaching. You want to reflect Christ in how you lead mm. and the impact you have. Remembering what matters most. It's about developing young men and women. It's about helping them grow. It's about helping them become all they're meant to be. It's not about outcome. It's not about rewards and money and accolades, right? Jesus was never about that. Yeah. It's about ultimately investing in the root. But if you invest in the root, you get a great supply of fruit. If you're a coach that focuses on the fruit, coaches that focus on the outcome, they focus on the numbers, they focus on the wins, and you focus on the fruit and you ignore the root, what happens to the tree? It dies. Yeah. And so to me, that's what it means. But it also means we're imperfect. It means that we need Jesus, that we're going to try to be our best, but we're not always going to be our best as leaders. It means that we're flawed. I'm an imperfect man. My daughter was an athlete growing up and so was my son and i remember putting a lot of pressure on them and i really in many ways got my identity from their success i was a transactional leader mm. and i had to learn how to be a transformational leader in the words of joe ehrman right his book yeah. you know his book inside out coaching changed my life as a parent because i realized it was about them and helping them grow to be all they're meant to be instead of about me and my identity in terms of being a great parent because my kids were great on the field. And I remember, you know, being in the stands with my daughter in high school. This was after I learned to be a positive coach with her. I was encouraging her. I was supporting her. And by the way, she almost quit when she was younger because of me, because mm -hmm. I was, because I was always pushing her because yeah. I was always driving her. I had too much tough love and not enough love tough. Mm -hmm. You know, being a Christian coach is about love tough. You love them you support them, you encourage them, they know that you care about them, there's a relationship with them. And as a result of that, then you earn the right to challenge them and push them yep. and make them uncomfortable at times to help them be their best. But it's all in good intentions because if you really love someone, you're not gonna let them settle for anything but their best. You're gonna push them and encourage them and love them to greatness along the way, right? So for me, I pushed too much and there wasn't enough love and she almost quit. My wife stepped in and said, I got this. You know, <laughs> Said, I got this energy vampire. Get to the back. And then, <laughs> Thank God for our wives, huh? Right. So she decided to take over. I stepped back. I read Joe Herman's book. I realized what I was doing wrong. I knew I needed to change. So now she's in high school. And now I'm encouraging her. I'm supporting her. But now I'm at the, at the games and these refs are making bad calls. <laughs> and so now I'm like, in my support of her, I'm yelling at the refs. Like, Come on, that's a bad call, rep. And I'm screaming. And people look over, like the other parents, like, this guy wrote the energy bus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I wasn't being a Christian father, a Christian coach in that model, right? You shouldn't behave that way as a coach. 
I was too focused again on the game and, and not the character. So here I am yelling. And then they would say, they said something to me like, come on, like, come on, come on, positive guy. Yeah. And I said, Oh, I said, no, I said, I said, this is, this is Joey bag of donuts. This yeah. is Joey. That John's actually at home, but this is Joey bag of donuts. This is my alter ego. This comes out when I'm like only like watching these games and, and cheering for my daughter. Well, and, like you said, we're, we're imperfect. We're imperfect. Right, we're imperfect right, coaches. So, we're imperfect dads. We're imperfect on the sideline. Right. So, so I'm in, I'm imperfect and I'm not acting the right way. And then, you know, I got asked to be on the board of the uh, positive coach alliance. <laughs> and and nice. once I got on the board there, I said, okay, I got to <laughs> stop doing this. I can't be like this. I got to be like a tennis parent because my son was a competitive tennis player. Gotcha. And on the competitive, you know, on the, on the tennis sidelines, you're very competitive, but you got to be, you know, calm and just sit yeah. there and watch. And so I said, I got to be like more like that. Yes. So I'm at the lacrosse games now and I'm not yelling anymore. And I'm really being a Christian coach in that in that so way now, good. really calm, supportive, and just quiet, not yelling at the refs. And people, parents came over to me, said, where's Joey? We, <laughs> Joey. we want Joey back. We want Joey I, back. I said, I said, Joey died. Joey's yeah. no longer allowed to come to these games because, you know, he, he died. And so that was it. And after that, oh, I was like, okay, being a Christian coach means, you know, again, acting the right way all the time. Yeah. But even though we're imperfect, we still strive to get better every day, remembering what the model is, yeah. who we need to be great for. Yeah. And most of all, obviously, to reflect that character. So good. So good. Love it. Love you for taking the time to do that. Um, off air, I was sharing with you. Uh, it's surreal just sitting across from you, uh, learning who you are, your books. You, you've helped change me. As a coach, I was a former high school basketball coach. He helped change me as a dad, as a father, and I'm so grateful for that. And one concept that really resonated with me about four years ago, I was listening to your podcast, Positive You, and it was the power of one word. And I know mm. you wrote that book as well. Can you share with our listeners and even the impact of one word and the power of one word and maybe what your one word is? Sure. Well, I wrote that book with Jimmy Page and Dan Britton, hmm. and they are leaders within the FCA. So they're, they're, you know, head up ministry for the FCA. Dan is in charge of the entire international ministry. And so they became really good friends of mine. And they've been doing this one word exercise for over two decades now. And so hmm. they came up with the idea and they started to practice it with each other and with their families. So every, every January for New Year's, they would come up with their words as a family, and then they would make paintings of their words and put it on the wall. And these words were reminders of what they wanted to focus on that year, who they wanted to be. Right. A one word meaning and mission. One mm -hmm. word that gives you passion and purpose for your year. So great idea. They told me about it. I started doing this with the teams that I was working with. Dabo Sweeney mm -hmm. has done it. So many different teams and organizations have come up with their words. And I saw the impact of it. I saw how powerful it was with my corporate clients, with my sports clients, with schools, school districts around the country have done this one word exercise where all the teachers will pick a word, a reminder to live their word to make an impact on their students that yeah. year. It's really powerful. Because let's face it, life changing. I mean, resolutions don't last. You know, right. New Year's, we always forget our, our goals and our resolutions, like 90% fail within the first month, right? right? But one word sticks. And so, powerful. So I started doing this with myself, my family, mm -hmm. clients, saw the amazing impact of one word. And it really does change your life. So we wrote a book on it. We have a children's book for it now. 
And we just came out with a one word journal where you keep track in the course of the year using this journal of how am I living my word? What's coming up for me? And it's a really powerful way to make sure this one word comes to life. And my word this year is power. Now, the best word I've ever chosen, and it was the hardest year in my life, was serve. Yeah, You have a word, I, serve, on your shirt. I do. It was a great year for my wife. Yeah. A really hard year for me. <laughs> I had to serve at home, and I served like no other. And my wife, at the end of the year, said, okay, this was amazing. What's going to be your word next year? Selfish? I've yeah. never seen you do so much. <laughs> serve times two. <laughs> right. So I said, no, it's, it's now a part of me. Like, that word really molded me and yeah. shaped me to be who I'm meant to be. And so this year, it's power. Yeah. And, and I, I knew I um, needed God's power, not my power. I had COVID last December. Mm-hmm. And so I was sick for a couple of weeks, you know, and I had an engagement coming up January 8th and I felt tired and lethargic. I mean, this, this one hit me pretty hard. Not like, you know, where I thought I was going to die, but just a bad flu. It was like a really right. bad flu. So I'm knocked out and I'm like, I need power. I'm like I need power. And then three words came to me, worship, hallelujah, and power. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. I've got to worship God, say hallelujah. And in that, in surrender, I will receive God's power. And it's been the most incredible year of power in my life. Like power has moved through me like no other. The Holy Spirit in so many incredible, powerful ways. So power, probably my favorite year I've ever chosen a word was this year and the Mm -hmm. power that has moved through me. That's awesome. And it changed my life. So 2019, so just four years ago, I was listening to that podcast and I was challenged with that. And I was a guy who made resolutions. And like you said, I didn't get past January 15th. (laughs) And so my first year, the word was serve and my family enjoyed that word as well. But then I started getting Jenga blocks and I would write on the blocks for all my team, my players, as we did the exercise as a coach, my office staff. So thanks for sharing that. The power of one word, it really revolutionized my life, my mindset. So I knew I wanted to ask you about that. Again, we're with John Gordon, author, speaker, uh, host of Positive You. Uh, You mentioned, John, speaking at Clemson with Dabo. I know you've been down in in Miami. I'm from the Miami area with Coach Bo in the heat, uh, Jacksonville. I wanted to ask you, what is uh, maybe your Mount Rushmore of places that you have gotten to speak. I, I don't want you to leave out people, but maybe your top three, four, five places that uh, you've gotten to speak, uh, whether it's athletic world, corporate world, but as you think about where God has led you, those opportunities to share. Almost too many yeah. to share because I, okay. I can't leave any out. But I, I mean, a couple that come to mind, like I'm going to speak to In-N-Out Burger this week. Oh, nice. And this will be my fourth talk to them over the past two years and they really embraced positive leadership. My Mm -hmm. book, the power of positive leadership, they've given it to everybody in their organization, all their leaders, all of their managers, their assistant managers, and they are ingraining positive leadership into their incredible, unbelievable culture. They have one of the greatest cultures I've ever seen. And it's why everyone is so fanatical about in and out burgers. They do an amazing job and the kind of culture they have is off the charts, second to none. So that's just one of my top in terms of, seeing how they've ingrained it, seeing how they're implementing positive leadership, my model. And by the way, Christian Coaches, The Power of Positive Leadership is a book I wrote, but it's a secular model, but I actually based it on Jesus' teachings as a leader and the kind of leader he was. 
So everything I wrote in that book, I measured against, did Jesus lead this way? Like love and accountability, casting vision and purpose, optimism and belief, of course, all the things dealing with negativity and how to confront it. Jesus did all these things and it's, and it's, and it's how I was able to write it very God inspired, but in a secular world to, to bring this model to, of leadership to the world and how to be a positive leader. Jesus was the ultimate yes. positive leader. And now we have, again, all these companies and sports teams embracing this model. Dave Roberts with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. you know, worked with him for a few years. Sean McVay, ever since yeah. he took the job with the Rams, Eric Spolcher with the Heat, Doc Rivers I talk with often. So I talked to a lot of these leaders. I was just with the Chicago Bulls and Billy Donovan, working with them on leadership, culture, teamwork, and then mindset with the team. So that's been incredible. Again, being with the Bulls was really special. The Rams, the first year working with Sean and that team was an incredible Mount Rushmore experience. And then, of course, Dabo Sweeney, the last 11 years working with him every year, speaking to the team. For the last 11 years, I go back every year. It's like a ritual. It's like a pilgrimage that nice. I go up there. Oh, yeah. And and it's funny. It's like my my humble and hungry routine because you go back to Clemson. It's like that's where I first started in terms mm-hmm. of a lot of college teams. And actually, yeah. Texas was before Clemson. Texas and Georgia and then Clemson. But Clemson was the one that really every year you do it. So you become part of the Clemson family. Yeah. And then my both my daughter and son, Clemson, you know, university students. So major impact on my life working with that team in that program and then the national championships being on the sidelines with Dabo Sweeney with the team mm-hmm. when they won the national championships in 2000 championship in 2016 to be there to see that the last play Hunter Renfro unbelievable wow. it literally was a spiritual experience because I saw <laughs> I believe it I believe it was it. it was it was a mountaintop experience because I saw how Dabo his faith yeah him telling me three years, four years before, we're going to win a national championship one day. And no one ever thought Clemson could ever win a national championship. And what he said, I thought, I don't see how that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, and yet he had this vision in his mind yeah. and he, and he's, he built his program on Galatians six, nine, right? Let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time. We'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. So to see him build his program that way and to see it then to come to fruition, to have that experience, to know God had a plan all along. Yeah. Incredible. And incredible. then the year, they won it again. Here they won it again. A couple of years later, I'm going up to speak to the team, and I, the Tiger, kept on coming to me because they <laughs> lost the year before right. to Alabama, I believe, and they didn't play well, and and they didn't have that hunger, they didn't have the desire. So I'm thinking, I, the Tiger, I, the Tiger, Dabo, and I don't talk before I get up there because you know he pretty much trusts me with the message I'm going to share. Doesn't even ask me what my message is going to be. But I get up there and I say, hey. I'm getting this feeling that I'm supposed to talk about eye of the tiger and bring it back. And John, he walks over, shows me the t-shirts he just had made. Eye of the tiger nice. on the shirt. And please tell me you played the Rocky theme song into the locker well, room. I didn't, but he took them to see Rocky yes. before the national championship the night before. Man, and if they, you can't get motivated after watching Rocky, man, something's wrong with you. They win the national championship. And again, again, that was another amazing just yeah. incredible experience. So to see the faith of a guy, the way it's lived out, the way it's breathed, he is truly the definition of a Christian coach, yes. the way he leads. Um, so I'd say that's one of my obviously pinnacle yeah. experiences and relationships. I love PJ Fleck. I wrote a book, Row the Boat with him. Mm-hmm. You know, again, a great guy, great coach, and really enjoyed being around him. Mike Smith, who I wrote, you went in the locker room first, mm-hmm. amazing guy. All these other coaches I've gotten the chance to spend time with and work with, like you, you meet the, the greatest people in this 
in this profession, doing this work. It's why I love it so much, you know, and then seeing a guy like Lane Kiffin, I spoke at Ole Miss and, and seeing him turn his life around, turn things around and knowing that faith is behind those decisions. That's a powerful experience as well. And and Lane, Lane was right in my backyard. I'm down in Boca Raton. So he was at FAU for a few years and I heard his podcast and I said, he is changing and now he's doing some good stuff. You listed some incredible organizations, incredible places. Um, and when I think about those places, you know, culture is that hot topic, that term. What would what advice would you give as you've been to these places and you've seen healthy cultures for the young coach that may be listening to our podcast? He, he's starting off maybe as a young high school coach, maybe in the college ranks as a GA, maybe as a grad assistant, and he's developing his coaching model and his culture. What advice would you give that young coach in developing a healthy culture? I'd first say, read you win in the locker room first. And I'm not yes. trying to be self-promotional, but I'd say no, read that book because every coach I've talked to has read that book and said it was instrumental in helping them build their foundation, their framework, and what they wanted to create going forward. So one, read, study, identify what matters most to you as a coach. Mm-hmm. Your culture has to, your culture has to be a reflection of you yeah. and who you are and what you want to build. It has to be something that's authentic and real to you, something you're going to preach about every day, yeah. something you're going to talk about, something you're going to stand for. We talk about in my training company, when you know your values, you show your values. Mm. So we know them, oh, we talk good. about them, but do we show them? Do we live them? And that's what I would say. As a culture, create it, define it. Mm. What do you want to be known for? Decide what you will stand for. What are those core values? And then You've got to live and breathe them and talk about them every single day in the organization. You've got to bring them to life when you see it. You got to make sure that you recognize it. You got to reinforce it. You got to talk about it with your team. And then when things aren't going well, are we truly living our Mm. values still? That's going to really define your culture. Consistency creates culture. Yeah. Consistency. Hey, coach, write this down if you're listening. consistency creates culture because the more consistent you are, that's what creates your culture. It's not always what you say, Mm. although that's a part of it, but more importantly, it's what you do and what you do every day will create the culture. What you allow creates your culture. So what are we doing every day? What are the habits? Who are we? What are we standing for? What are our words? How are we showing up every day? That consistency creates your culture. And the minute you move away from that consistency, your culture will suffer People will not believe it's true. They won't believe it's real. And you'll start to lose your culture. So young coach, decide what you're going to stand for and stand for it and be consistent with it no matter what. I had a coach work with Nick Saban. He told me he could tell it every, he knew it every day, every day at 5 p.m. Nick Saban's going to pull out a, a candy bar and eat that candy bar at 5 p.m. every day. The guy was so consistent. Not yeah. every player loves Nick Saban. Not every player wants to be around him. But guess what? They know what to expect from him. So he's so consistent so they can trust him. Yeah. So good. This is gold. This is gold, my friend. And thank you for sharing great advice for that young coach. And even whatever stage of life we're in as a coach, as a husband, as a man, our culture in our family, our culture in our church, where we serve so good. Uh, I wanted to shift a little bit, John, if I can go and ask you just a little bit about your faith. I know Erwin McManus was part of that. Uh, I've read some of Erwin's uh, books. Uh, the Last Arrow is very instrumental in my life, as well as 
all of your books, love your books as well, but Erwin and Mosaic, he's doing some great stuff. But can you share with our listeners uh, a little bit about your faith journey, story, lessons you've learned in accepting Christ? Definitely. Before that, I, I want to talk about my family because I think it's important to share yeah. that when you focus on your culture with your family, you help create the consistency, share the values, share the love, build the relationships that really create a strong family. So everything we talk about for businesses, for teams and organizations, we now also share for families. Nice. My wife and I wrote a book called Relationship Grit. Mm-hmm. Relationship Grit. And that is about our ups and downs of our marriage. It is the time when she almost left me. Mm-hmm. It talks about how we had to get back together and work through things, how I was a jerk, how I was negative, all of that. And this leads into the faith conversation because my wife gave me this ultimatum and said, if you don't change, like we're over. She said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. I wasn't a person of faith. I had no faith. I was really negative. I was really down. My life was falling apart. I wasn't a great husband. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a great father. So before any of this, I literally was someone who was really struggling, hitting rock bottom. And I remember when she threatened to leave, I, I asked God, why am I here? Mm-hmm. What am I born to do? Like, God, I know I'm here for a reason. I know I have a purpose. I've always believed in a God. And I grew up Jewish. My mom was Jewish. My dad who raised me was Italian and, and um, stepfather, but I consider my dad since he raised mm-hmm. me since I was five years old. Right. So he was Italian, New York City police officer, undercover narcotics. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a Jewish Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt, <laughs> a lot of wine, a lot of whining. So growing up in that family, you know, I definitely wanted to be a more positive person. I had to work at it. Yes. And, and when my wife gave me that ultimatum, I began this journey of working to become a more positive person finding my purpose helped of knowing I wanted to write and speak and then realizing, Oh, I'm meant to write and speak about positivity. Mm-hmm. And that began this journey. But as I started doing that, I realized that I'm still struggling. I'm still fearful. I still have a lot of anxiety and I'm really still in many ways living with this anxiousness every yeah. single day. And it was so hard to truly be happy. Mm-hmm. And I remember a friend of mine gave me a sermon from Erwin McManus. Mm-hmm. It was during the time when there was no, um, there were no iTunes. There was no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there was no Audible. It gives me a sermon from Erwin on CD, Why I Follow Jesus. And I listened to the sermon and it really spoke to me. For the first time, Jesus came to life to me. For the first time I heard the voice of Jesus through Erwin. It just mm. spoke to my soul. Yeah. And I remember saying, God, if there is something to this Jesus, if he, if he is who he says he is, I'm open to the signs. Just show me the signs. And then I started to see the signs everywhere. I literally would see the literal signs driving down to Orlando, looking to the left. I heard, look, I turned to the right and there's a sign that says Jesus is the answer. Mm-hmm. And it just kept happening so often. Yeah. And, and eventually I go see a Buddhist energy healer, which is not the way most people find Jesus. <laughs> but I go see a Buddhist energy healer because I was having problems with my stomach and, and colon and everything. And I'm talking to him. I said, I'm seeing all these signs that say Jesus is the answer. What do you make of it? He said, oh, John, that's simple. He said, I'm a Buddhist. I'm trying to attain an enlightenment on my own. He said, but with Christianity, all you do is believe and, and, and receive. He said, Jesus takes our soul pain. Mm. He takes our heavy vibrational energy. He said, how can you connect to a perfect, harmonious, energetic God if you have this heavy vibrational energy? 
Christians call it sin. I call it soul pain. Mm. He said, Jesus takes that. Mm. I'm like, wow. So you want to do it on your own. Meanwhile, you're telling me there's a way that Jesus takes it. I said, can I take someone else's soul pain? He said, can you handle your own? Hmm. And I walked out of there with the belief and the knowing that there was a God who wanted to take my heavy vibrational energy, wanted to take my sin, my burden, my pain, my anxiety, and he wanted to have a relationship with me. And I had to let go of that to be able to have this intimate, connected Hmm relationship with him. So I walked out of there from a Buddhist energy healer <laughs> and a sermon from Erwin McManus sharing and the belief that I'm going to give this Jesus a shot. I remember saying, I don't have all the answers. You know, the virgin birth sort of seems, you know, yeah. confusing and confounding to me. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's, it's, it's all there, but I'm going to ask God to strengthen my faith mm. and I'm going to give him a shot. And it was amazing. Like Dan Britton shows up and gives me a book, Calvary road. And and then I read the book Humility by Andrew Murray and start reading books from Maxwell Cato and mm. all these different books start to bring Jesus to life even more and start to hear Irwin's sermons more and more and went to Mosaic a bunch of times. And now I have a place in LA where I come out and we'll go to his service nice. services. Oh, his last few sermons were off the charts. Like yeah. he's 67 years old and he's just getting better and better. Like wow. he's, he's better now than he was 10 years ago. Like incredible messages right here, yeah. man. more yeah. powerful more truth amazing messages bringing more and more people to christ yeah. and he does it in a way that's a loving mm. like loving open wooing way where he just keeps sharing the love of god yeah. and and you receive it he's not judgmental right no it, it's loving and and that's oh, what's, what's 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 powerful about it so anyway led Thank me to you. jesus and my life has never been the same and i truly became a better father a better husband. It changed my heart, changed my soul. It, it, it made me someone who wanted to, to, to love and to serve and to give more instead of being so self-focused. And is it something That's I had to work does. on? Yes. I got to still got to work on it, but right. when he changes you from the inside out yes. and, yeah. and he, and he shows you and convicts you when you're not being that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he convicts you and shows you when, yes. And shows you your flaws, yeah. shows you how far away from him yeah. you are. And that's good. Yeah. That con- that convicting spirit is a great thing as well to know I've got to do more. I've got to give more. I've got to be better. My wife is sick right now. And I'm thinking, I said to her, you know, I got a million things to do today, but I said, what can I go get you today? Yeah. That sure. wouldn't have happened. Sure. That wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, what can I get you today? Well, you that's know? what Christ does. He changes us and we're a new creation. We're not perfect. In like Christ. you said before, we're imperfect on this side of heaven, but man, that's the beauty of a testimony. It's your personal testimony, your own story. Again, thank you for sharing that. I knew that he had a role in your life. We're getting ready to kind of close up, John. I feel like I could talk to you for another two hours. I want to be mindful of your time. One thing that I started doing is I, I got my rapid fire. So I got 10 quick questions. I just shoot them off. You got a minute. So the clock's on. So first thing that comes to your mind, I know you'll do great. So thanks for sharing, being with us. So here we go. Rapid fire with John Gordon, and we'll close in prayer here. All right. Number one, your favorite restaurant. Favorite restaurant is, oh my God. Stumped them on one. Oh, easy. Papados. Oh, nice. Papados. Yeah. Houston, Dallas, airports. Also all around the city is amazing. Favorite junk food. Favorite junk food, potato chips. I just Ooh, love potato chips. All right. they're, they're my weakness. Cabin in the woods or a beach house? Beach house. I have, you know, I live nice. near the beach. Truck or car? Car. All right. Country you'd love to visit? 
country I'd love to visit. I want to take my wife to Italy. We were just oh, hanging out too. with me. We too. were hanging out with a bunch of Italians, and I just felt like they were my people. Beautiful. Favorite sport to play? Favorite, um, I would say basketball, but lately pickleball is coming on. Pickleball strong. is hot, especially in Florida. It's hot. Uh, favorite sport to watch? Football. Football. Favorite Bible character? Favorite Bible character. Um, can Jesus be uh, one of them? <laughs> That's the Sunday school answer when we're eight. What did you learn? Jesus? I, I, you know, Erwin just did a sermon on Moses and okay. I just, I just loved it. So let's just say Moses. Okay. Moses, uh, favorite Bible verse, favorite Bible verse. Um, God, there's, there's a lot in there. I would just say, um, everyone always says Philippians 413. Yep. Uh, Galatians 6, 9. Okay, good one. And last but not least, John, one word you would want your family and friends to know you as. To know me as. My wife just said a good father. That's yeah, sweet, huh? that's good. No, but I would say, no, I would say uh, one word, but you said one word. One word. Uh, one word. It would be, uh, it'd be loving. That's good. Real good. John, we always close in prayer, and I'm going to do that at this time. Thank you so much for being here. You have influence and impact my life, and uh, I'm so glad our listeners had the chance to connect with you. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm going to close in prayer, John. God, thanks for this incredible time to meet with John. Thank you for what he's doing around the globe. Thank you for his testimony and how you called him and how you gave him purpose, you gave him direction, and how he is now serving you. Thank you for his wife, his kids, his family, the lessons that he's learning and sharing. Uh, thank you for this podcast and how we can serve coaches uh, through conversations so they can lead like you. Thank you for being our ultimate example and leader. Give us a great day in your name. Amen. 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 Oh my goodness. This was, this was surreal for me to, uh, to see John Gordon uh, on our podcast and uh, almost in tears there at the end, just, just humbled, amazed, and just uh, a cool microphone for John to be able to share his, his Jesus story on what, what God has done in his life. Um, and just for me personally, he's, uh, yeah, such a mentor. And, uh, you know, as I was getting, I had this book on my heart, uh, a couple of years ago and I thought man if if what would John Gordon think of this and so I sent him the idea and I was just shocked to get a reply I was so thankful and, and John was like hey man this one's for you go for it mm -hmm. and uh, just that little encouragement this power of positive leadership that he he gave into my life um it was just such a gift and uh it, it gave me that one little nudge forward like, hey you can do this keep moving forward um but yeah that was uh that was just amazing to see him on the podcast and just thankful for him sharing his heart with us so what, what do you guys what do you guys think? Well, I love. Jump. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so sorry, Jan. No, Just no, Jim. Fast. Jim, please. Yeah, you, so you're the humbled. one who did it. <laughs> yeah, so humbled, so grateful, sitting across from him, him taking the time to share with us. And uh, I just love John's heart, his uh, being able to share his testimony using our platform, just to see him. Um, you know, not on the big stage per se. Just he, he's a guy wanting to serve, wanting to impact others, and. You know, we could talk, like you said, a whole podcast on the impact he had on our life. But the power of one word, when I asked him that, that revolutionized my life, my thinking as as a man, as a coach, as a husband. And uh, just so grateful uh, for him taking the time to be with us on our 100th episode. So uh, incredible. Gian, yeah. finish this up, man. Um, I, I loved 
right on his first answer, I think he's probably the only one that mentioned that a part of being a Christian coach is understanding that we actually need Christ, you know, mm -hmm. and, and not just being Christ-like towards others, but understanding that we are imperfect and that we need that constant reminder that we, you know, we, we need to have Christ in our hearts. Um, and I thought that was, that was really unique. That was one of the most unique answers we've gotten. Yeah. And, and just what he said about culture, just being consistent and you don't just have this one idea and, and make this one speech, but um, culture, whether it's in our family, our personal life or business, um, it's what we're doing every day. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, such a gift. And, and um, just closing this out here, Coach, um, you, you need to tap into John Gordon's resources if you haven't read any of them, hard to know where to start first. You went in the locker room first as a coach was was a game changer. Um, Carpenter was probably my, my favorite fable, but everyone's gonna have their their own opinion. And uh, just wanna encourage you coach, um, just remember that the mission field is right where you're at.